Number one eight seven seven eight silver online guildhallwealth.com, the precious metal advisor, the investor kit. Uh, learn how to use your RSP and other registered accounts to purchase precious metals. In fact, uh, right now, for every $5,000 U.S. invested in an RSP account, you will get one gram of gold, courtesy of Guildhall. Some conditions apply. Again, go to the website uh, for that. Lots to get through today. Guys, Darren, Jeremy are here. Let's, uh, let's rock and roll. Where are we going to start off with? Listen, Brexit is making a very angry Europe. Ah, so yes. there is talk, and uh, the polls are closer than we thought they would be. Right now, as we tape the show on Thursday, they are in the process of finishing up the voting over there in Britain. Of course, we won't know the results during this show until later on in this day. But I'm going to bring to us today an article that talks from CNBC a little bit about why um, either uh, departure from the European Union for Britain or deciding to stay would be good for the price of gold. Okay. In addition to that, uh, we're also going to be interviewing one of our favorite uh, analysts, market analysts and uh, commentary uh, people, Mark Mead Bailey, which is an exciting interview to do. Jeremy did the first one a few months back with him, and uh, he has a lot to say about the markets. He's very pro-metals, uh, but of course, he's also got a a big overall macroeconomic view of where we are. And of course, he has a big, long history of being correct and has traded in these markets. He has an extensive biography. We're going to have him momentarily here on The Real Money Show, so we're excited to have him as well. In addition to that, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about some of the U.S. economy and where it stands right now. I have an article here from Zero Hedge, titled 15 Facts About the Imploding U.S. Economy That the Mainstream Media Doesn't Want You to See. And you know, and the friends of the show know, how excited we get when we are able to bring the truth behind the headlines. And that's what we do here on The Real Money Show. So let's get started this week with gold and silver and where they are. They've both climbed back up to the same range as they were trading in last week. Both metals are slightly range-bound at the moment. Of course, gold and silver both waiting the news of Brexit as to whether or not Britain is going to decide to stay or go from the European Union. And, of course, it's influenced both the downside as well as the upside this week. Both metals gave very good buying opportunities early in the week and, of course, have now gone back into that uh, same trading range, silver being in the mid-17 range, uh, gold being in the mid-1200 to upper-1200 range, just around 1285 right now. And, of course, both metals look very poised, could easily break out above the 1300 level in gold, which would uh, certainly drag silver along, and I would expect that if it did, silver breaks 18 and holds above 18, you could have a very dramatic uptick in the metals uh, in total. So that's something that we're watching very closely right now. And of course, let's not waste too much more time here. I'd like to bring in Mark Mead Bailey. Mr. Bailey began an extensive career in banking and financial services, ranging from the Bank Nationale de Paris in retail banking services to Barclays Bank as a corporate research analyst. And for the last 20 years, he's been involved in extensive amount of his own expert um, and expanded financial uh, expertise and financial advising and planning. And of course, he's written extensively on his website, Demedville, which we'll talk a little more about, Demedville.com, about the gold and silver markets and of course, the U.S. economy in general, as well as the global economy. His work has been featured in Merrill Lynch Wealth Management client telepresentations, as well as timeandcycles.com. And on occasion, he ends up getting on a lot of the gold websites. So we do pick up his information. He holds a bachelor's degree in business from the University of Southern California and a master's degree in finance from the Golden Gate University at San Francisco. And this is where he currently resides. So without further ado, let's welcome Mark Mead Bailey to The Real Money Show. Well, welcome to the show, Mark. We're very pleased to have you. And uh, as I just said to our listeners, we did an intro and a little bit of a bio. But before we get started, I wanted to mention again your website, which is demedville.com, www.demedville.com. And the reason I want to do that prior to the interview today is because you have something on your website that I like and we featured with our readership from time to time called the Economic Barometer. I'm wondering right off the bat, Mark, before we get into the questions today, if you wouldn't mind telling our listeners why that's important and why they might be interested in looking at that as we're speaking. The economic barometer, Darren, uh, is something that uh, takes 50 economic measures per month, and these are from the United States markets and, and, and things like payrolls and job creation and new homes and all that kind of stuff. 
And we put them all together, and it draws that blue line that you can see. You can go to the website, click on Economic Barometer. It shows it for a whole year, and you can see the trend of the blue line is down. The red line, which is on the same chart, is the S&P 500, which I use as my measure of the United States stock market. So you can see we have a down-trending economic barometer, which of late – has actually been going up because we've had some positive things here and there in building permits and housing indexes and the Philly Fed index and so forth. Those have helped push the barometer up of late, albeit we saw the, the poor jobs growth for the month of May of just 38,000. So that is what the economic barometer does, or as I like to call it, the econ barrow. It's a good thing to have, and I think it's a source of uh, updated information for sure as people look into whether or not, from the simplest of ways, a chart can give them any insight on where the economy is going. So I thank you for that and sharing it with our listeners. Let me get to our first question, Mark. On June 12th of this month, I read an article written by yourself called Gold Positive Signal. I found the article to be frightening in the sense that we can no longer use traditional metrics and analytics to provide somewhat accurate forecasts of certain markets. Can you give us a sense of the overall economic picture right now in the world, more specifically if you like in North America, um, in this, at this particular moment in time? And you know, tell me, are we heading into positive territory? Are we witnessing any type of significant seminal rebound in ep- economic strength at all whatsoever? No. <laughs> I mean, if we look globally, let, you know, you look at China. China is now the second largest economy on the planet. Their growth rate, albeit is growth, it is slowing down. Japan, a very large economy, They're, they are deflating. They, they just looked to, to raise their sales tax and decided that they couldn't do it. Let's go over to the Eurozone, those, those countries in Europe that, that use the euro as a currency. I mean, you've got differing economies, differing cultures. When they, when they knitted this euro together back around 2001, I, I didn't think it would last for four years because I figured the Germans are going to get upset with having to put up with the Italians' problems and so forth. Since then, there's been talk of bifurcating the euro, perhaps you know, having a, you know, a northern euro and a southern euro. Nobody knows where all this is going to go, but I always call it the eurozone yo-yo because one week you'll read good things about the eurozone. The next week you read negative things about the eurozone. And what's a little discouraging there as well. I mean, Germany is really the driving economy in, in, in the Eurozone, and their factory orders for April, as just reported a week or so ago, dropped by 2%. That, that is not good. And then you've got the Bundesbank, of course, which is the German central bank. They now have a negative yield on their 10-year bond. I mean, they're basically saying, you know, if you want to lend money to us, you have to pay us to lend to us. I mean, that's, that's nuts. Um, and of course, Negative yields, the whole concept of negative yields is that if you're not going to risk your money out in the private sector and, and lend to companies to try to spur economic growth, um, if you park it in our bank, you're going to have to pay us to keep your money here. So that's, that's a very negative global sign. Um, and as I said, stateside here in the United States, you know, our own economic barometer, and you can see that it is, it is in a decline, uh, although of late it has picked up. But again, new home sales today were down, and if this is as far as the barrel goes, I don't see uh, really any seminal rebound in economic strength at this, at this juncture for sure. Well, I mean, that brings me to my next question then. If we focus purely on gold and silver for a moment in relation to what you've just talked about, what role are fundamentals playing as we proceed here into the second half of this year? I think specific to gold and silver, I mean, whether it's the second half of this year, whether it's ongoing, I think you know the most important dynamic is currency creation here, there, as with the European Central Bank, and everywhere. Um, even the Fed, e- even without quantitative easing, which is not in play right now, by their reinvesting principal payments they get from their treasury debt and their mortgage-backed securities and, and operating themselves, um, the level of M2, which is basically our most noted money supply here in the United States, is, is going up. It, it's the, the amount of so-called foundationless money that we have continues to increase. But my biggest fundamental fear going forward, and whether it's the second half of this year or whenever this hits, the S&P 500, again, my measure of the U.S. stock market, I fear is terribly overvalued. And the reason is, and I write about this regularly in the gold update, 
if you sit down with a pen and pencil and you actually figure out the price-earnings ratio of the S&P 500, you take each stock, take the price divided by its trailing 12 months earnings, and then if you want to get really fancy, you can multiply that result times the capitalization weighting of each stock in the index and you add them all up, you will get a P.E. ratio. And this is in real time right now. I've got 40.6. That's the P.E. ratio of the S&P. In other words, the S&P is about twice as high as it ought to be. And at the same time, the, the level of gold is about half what it ought to be. But what's really scary go to your favorite browser or whatever trading software you like to use, if you pull up a chart, a 30-year view of the S&P 500, you'll see the two big 50% corrections we've had in the last 14 years, and then since the black swan event of 2008-2009, you will see this huge growth in the level of the S&P 500. And what is so scary about that is the earnings generation is not there to support it. Um, Another concern going forward fundamentally um, is talk about now multiple countries perhaps wanting to exit the European Union. That would have market disruptive effects from uh, monetary account and policy movements, fiduciary responsibilities being changed. With respect to something like that, um, and I just read this recently, a vote is not necessarily legally binding to leave the European Union, and there could even be something like a four-year curfew, so it would take time to phase in these sort of policies. But all of these things, an overvalued market, a change in the European Union, currency creation, these are all key fundamentals that work into gold's favor going forward. And we'll take a quick break here on The Real Money Show to start investing. Very simple, one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Reminder, using an RSP account or other registered accounts, for every $5,000 U.S. invested in said account, you will get one gram of gold courtesy of Guildhall. Some conditions apply. Check the uh, website for that. Take a short break, and we're back with Mark Mead Bailey right here on The Real Money Show. Talk radio, AM 640. You need to uh, start investing anytime. The number is one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. More right now with Mark Mead Bailey here on The Real Money Show. Well, those are pretty simple. I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, and uh, this is on a bit of a side note, I really do appreciate the truth behind the headlines, and we were talking about earlier in the show, and it's a theme that we deal with on The Real Money Show extensively. And what I hear there is from an investor's standpoint – there's a whole world of hurt, but yet we keep pumping these traditional uh, pieces of market analysis to look better and better all the time, albeit they say even gradually better over time, yet we're not seeing the average investor at the street level really pick up the pieces and start to go gung-ho back into the marketplace, whether that be stocks, whether that be investing in more traditional markets or a traditional market. So I 100% agree, and I'm excited about what the prospects for gold and silver are as an alternative because of it. Exactly, I would agree. Although we've discussed the importance of the fundamentals at work in the metals marketplace, we've also said many times in The Real Money Show that the markets of gold and silver are very event-driven. In general terms, what role might specific individual economic events play in driving prices higher into a long-term sustained rally? I know you just mentioned Brexit. Is there anything else you foresee coming throughout this year uh, as it relates to uh, the economic stability of any part of the world that might play a role as an event that could drive gold and silver higher? Yes, I think in, in regardless of whether it's, it happens within these next six or seven months or whether this goes into next year, I, I always think that, that what is clearly a massive macroeconomic event would be a currency's revaluation or a reinvention or a currency's outright failure. I, I remember the great Richard Russell, who wrote extensively about gold and the stock market for many, many years, he used to say that by his measurements, um, faux currencies or foundationless currencies tend to have a lifespan of four to five decades. Well, you know, the modern reinvention of the Federal Reserve note, which is what our currency is in the United States, our paper currency, it's been around about four to five decades. So you start to wonder, as we get up towards $13 trillion in our M2 money supply, um, just how much value is really there. I, I, I think, Darren, that in our day-to-day lives, we don't really see this. You know, we, we go to the soccer matches and, and, and so forth. We read our Netflix we don't really see this financial strain that is growing out there towards a tipping point that, that once 
the dominoes start to fall, you know, somebody makes a claim on what they think they're owed, and in order to pay that, you have to make a claim on what you think you're owed and so forth and so on. That's when we really have to watch out. But I think really specific as, as, a, as a real danger signal here that will cause uh, that will cause to have to have gold printing occur, occur is the following. Um, as of 2015, the average retirement account of a person, this is in the United States, is $213,000. That's at age 65. So you have 213 grand. So let's say you live to be 80 years old in a 0% interest world. That means your 213K cannot add to itself. So you have to use it to live on. If you live 15, 15 years from the time you're age 65, that works out to $1,183 a month. Now, you're also going to get your Social Security check. The average Social Security check um, is $1,181 a month. So you add those two numbers together. As a senior, can you live on $2,364 a month, which is $28,000 a year? And again, that's the average. Take one standard deviation below that, and you're going to run out of money as a senior. And if you live to be 85 or 90, as a lot of people are, you're really going to run out of money. And I think that we're going to see the government have to come up with something like senior housing bonds, or they're just going to have to print to accommodate senior retired people having enough money to shelter themselves uh, and to buy food. And then, of course, we just read yesterday uh, that the hospital care portion of our Medicare program here in the United States is going to be insolvent in 12 years. So these are all issues that are going to require more money to be created, and that redounds very positively for gold and silver. Well, that's a very interesting topic because it's something that we feel here in Canada as well. And to a great extent, we're already seeing our retirement population. I'll use my own family as an example. Uh, a large percentage of them, they go through this period of retirement, but really what it is is just one phase to the next, and it's both working phases. They go from having full-time, you know, five-day-a-week work, nine-to-five, so to speak, to having a modified job career. And most of them will tell you they want to keep working. But unfortunately, what's happening more frequently now is that we're seeing people have to work, no choice, because the situation's not much better here in Canada, Mark, and especially uh, given the sense uh, of what uh, our housing market is doing and how overheated that's become, I certainly see a reality in the near future where the average person that knows very little about metals like gold and silver end up having to bank on having a bit of extra insurance policy in the form of physical metals. So it's an exciting time for us seeing these prices happening, but at the same time, uh, you know, you, you hate thinking about what the future brings as it relates to gold, sometimes not so positive. And Darren, if I could just add to that, I mean, you know, we can be in our 60s today. I'm 63 years old. And I keep thinking I'm going to probably want to work till I'm 80 or 90, but we don't know how we're going to physically feel when we're 80 or 90. We may have to work, but we may not be physically able to work. We may have to be sleeping 15 hours a day because we're old. So that's an issue, again, as to we're going to need some money to help us out. Well, that's, again, the, the reality we're facing, and I don't think that it gets any easier. I've read extensively now about this transformation or passing on of, of generational wealth that's about to happen, and... I'm so fearful that the next generations to come just have not been educated well enough about the importance of savings and putting money aside as they grow old. We become too accustomed to the have it now, want it now, need it now uh, generation that thinks everything should happen, you know, at the at the flick of a of of a button, you know. Correct. So, I agree. Very interesting times. Very scary. Do you feel the Fed will increase interest rates in 2016? And if so, is it possible to provide your opinion? on the long-term effects higher interest rates will have on gold and silver. And if you don't feel that they're going to raise the rates, what's stopping them from ending cheap money and low interest rates? It's a great question. Um, it's, it's the greatest debate. <laughs> when will they raise or will they raise? Um, you know, when I saw the economic barometer starting to tilt up over the last month or so, I began to think that the folks at the Fed uh, might have taken a more proactive stance and actually raised rates this last time around, especially given all the flack they've received about having become irrelevant and, I saw, and so forth. So I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is a chance for them to be assertive, to say they're the real deal, and they're going to raise. 
But, of course, right before the last Fed meeting, we got that weak May growth in payrolls, and the Fed is so zoomed in on job creation, they knew it would be, you know, suicide to raise rates in the face of almost no growth uh, in the payroll area. So the 12-month trend of the economic barometer being down, I think if it does stall about where it is right now, I'd say they will not raise this year. And in fact, I heard an analyst from BNP Paribas uh, the other evening, and and I I like giving BNP Paribas a lot of credit because it's the first major bank ever (laughs) worked for, but they said they see no Fed hike for another two years. And I think what is stopping the Fed, the dirty little secret that's stopping the Fed from actually coming up with another rate increase is I think they're very fearful of of cratering what I like to call the great American savings account, and that is the U.S. stock market. You know, our stock market used to be a risk capital market, and you would put money in and you took a chance whether you're going to make money or lose money to be sure markets rise over a very long period of time if adjusted for nothing other than inflation. But today, I read things that say, oh, you must be in the stock market. You have to be there. You're not going to have a retirement account. Well, don't forget, we've had two 50% corrections in the last 14 years. And specific to gold, were rates to go up, and I think this is a very important thing to point out, back in the days when we were morphing from Greenspan who, as chair of the Federal Reserve to Ben Bernanke's chair, chair of the Federal Reserve, this is back from 2004 through 2006. In 2004, the Fed funds rate was where it is right now. It was at 0.5%. And they gradually increased and gradually increased. By 2006, it was up to 5.0%. But gold during that time rose 50% from the 400s up into the 600s. So even interest rate increases don't necessarily put the kibosh on the rising gold price. Well, that's for sure. We've seen that, and uh, I'm sure we're going to see it again. I I shudder to, to... Think that we would be, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. I watched Jimmy Fallon, a popular late night show, I'm sure our listeners know it, and he had Obama on last week. And of course, Obama wanted to take the opportunity to praise himself, pat himself on the back for all the great things he did upon uh, his tenure here in the U.S. as the president. And of course, one of those things was the unemployment rate dropping. And I couldn't help but have a chuckle because I know, as well as our listeners, having said this a million times, I'm sure you know that the participation rate in the U.S. is among the lowest it's ever been in history, certainly within the last number of decades, which is it's, it's a significant cause for concern because that skews that particular statistic. So not to dwell on it, but it's interesting how certain things are reported, but the truth behind those headlines is indicative, again, of another reason as to why you should have an insurance policy like physical gold. You're right, and I'll tell you, I, I went into the bank the other day, and there was a teller there, young lady, and um, we got to chat in. She told me she has three jobs to, to, to make it work. She goes, I have a morning job, an afternoon job, and a night job. And I said, when do you sleep? And she goes, I don't. I've just learned how to take naps. But that is not a good way to live. Well, that's for sure. And we're seeing more and more of that here as well. It's a much more common thing. I, I think that to find a person who says they're a sole income provider who has a stay-at-home mom uh, or is a stay-at-home dad with a wife with a sole income provider is such a rarity in this day and age. And yet it wasn't but two to three decades ago, a, a very short amount of time, that that was the norm. So again, we're, we're seeing deviations from that. And a lot of it's caused by an increase in standard of living. But again, points right back to those those reasons why a good insurance policy is always something that's alternative and physical and tangible. On that point, before we end, I want to ask the question, what are your thoughts on the physical gold and silver markets? Can you give us a little bit of feedback on uh, your thoughts uh, on physical versus maybe having paper in your portfolio? Absolutely. Um, The importance of physical ownership is that... (laughs) To put it very simply, you've got the real deal right in your pocket. Or ideally, it's in a private vault, um, some obscure place where, where no one's going to get their, their hands on it. Um, I have very close colleagues um, with whom I meet every week. We have an investor's roundtable every Sunday morning, and some are gold stackers. Some of them, though, uh, like to invest in the mining stocks, um, You know the famous ones. You've all heard of Newmont and Gold Corp. And, Gold Corp and so on. Of course. Those mining companies tend to rise at two to three times uh, the percentage pace that the gold price rises. 
The downside is, of course, they also fall at two or three times the rate that gold goes down. So gold, relative to all these mining companies, almost looks like a savings account. When, when you chart them and you see all the big, uh, the alacrity of the moves in the miners and the gold price in the middle is just this, almost this little flat line that goes along. Um, I personally have, I have very, very, very little physical gold. I'm lucky to have what I have. I engage in trading the gold futures um, because the contract leverage is 100, it's 100 to 1. So if I buy one gold contract and gold goes up a dollar an ounce, uh, my account increases $100. That's a great way to go. But to get back to the physical ownership of the metal itself, you know, the metal is neither paper. Uh, it's not an obligation. That said, unless you get caught short in the gold futures and are thus obligated to deliver the physical metal, as we always say, shorting gold is a really bad idea. But just having real gold is real monetary wealth. And it almost doesn't matter what the price was you paid for it, whether you're behind or you're ahead. It doesn't matter. You've got the real deal on you. Gold is gold is money. And, you know, the future outlook is that you'll be really glad that you have it and that you have hung on to it. Well, those are the truest words I've heard spoken this week, Mark, and they could not be any more true. Give our listeners a sense of how to get in connection with you, how to contact you, get to the website, more about you, and how they can access anything that you're uh, producing. Absolutely. Well, the main website entry portal is www.demedville.com. That's D-E-M-E-A-D. V-I-L-L-E dot com. Uh, if that's too hard to remember, you can just go to www.thegoldupdate, all one word, dot com. That brings you straight into the same website. You just happen to land on the Gold Update page. And my website is Amazon Mark, Amazon Mead, Bees and Bailey. That's M-M-B at demedville, D-E-M-E-A-D-V-I-L-L-E dot com. That's perfect, Mark. Also, for listeners, if you're going to our website and you're looking over our material, you'll also find a link to his website there. We've put it in there as long as well as Mark's bio and uh, a link to The Real Money Show for this week. Mark, we'd like to thank you, and uh, we hope that you'll be uh, a regular, regular guest on this show. We love having you, and our listeners really do appreciate uh, the time that you spend to answer the questions we have. So thanks again. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we look forward to speaking to you very soon on The Real Money Show. Thank you, Darren, to you and everybody there at, at the Real Money Show, and of course, Guildhall Wealth Management as well. Uh, it's terrific to be a guest here. I really look forward to coming back again. Thanks so much. Great. Take care. All the best. All right, Mark. Cheers. To start investing, one eight seven seven eight silver online, guildhallwealth.com, the precious metal advisor, the investor kit, and a reminder as well, if you're using a registered account, RSP, RESP, uh, TFSA, LIF, Lira, uh, for every $5,000 U.S. invested in that account, uh, you will receive one gram of gold courtesy of Guildhall. Some conditions apply. Hit the website for more details. Lots more of The Real Money Show is coming right up on Talk Radio, AM 640. One eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Thank you again, Mark Mead Bailey, for uh, for his word. Man, that guy is researched big time. He knows does, his stuff, right? He does know his stuff, and he does uh, speak from the heart. And he's uh, he's truthful, which is the main reason why we have him on the show. There are a lot of analysts out there who just pound things out. They're feeding off of other people's material, and Mark is not one of them. So we're happy to have him, and we're hopeful that people will take a second and third listen at the answers to the questions we had, because what it's telling you is that the importance of having an insurance policy like gold and silver can never be underestimated. Whether you're in this to make money, to be profitable, whether you're in this to protect your existing wealth, whether you're in this to pass this on to the next generation, this is one of those times in your life that you're going to have a rare opportunity. And that's why at Guildhall Wealth Management, we have physical gold and silver. Whether you're going to hold it in a registered account in the form of RSPs or TFSAs or RESPs or any other type of registered account, whether you want to buy it and take it home with you and put it somewhere safe whether you'd like to use our storage facility. Which Mark did make mention of, which Mark I thought did. was Mark did, he did, yeah. He smart, said, right? look, if you're going to be with a, uh, with a facility and vaulting your product, make sure it's a safe and secure one. Make sure it's out of the prying eyes of the rest of the system, right. and that's exactly what we offer at Guildhall. And, of course, when you're holding large amounts of silver or gold, it is the safest and uh, surest way to protect that as well. 
One eight seven seven eight silverguildhallwealth.com. Jeremy, what do you think? You know, I, I really liked the, there was a few themes that were going through that interview as I was listening. And one, one was this idea that a stock market right now is considered a retirement portfolio, that the past history of the stock market is is not that great when you're, you're talking about two 50% haircuts in the last 15 years. And you start to realize that <clears throat> this idea of investing is based on a suspension of disbelief, that you have to believe that the stock market has the value that it says it has. You have to believe that these companies are actually producing economic wealth instead of just merging and acquisitioning and borrowing extremely cheap money right now. And that was another theme, this idea of, well, central banks can just keep creating money. Well, how much value is in something that's not rare that you can just keep on creating? And so this idea of, okay, well, where do we go to put real wealth in that sense? And and that's where I think that that our our belief systems are well well aligned with, with Mark Mead Bailey in the sense that people need real wealth and that's what builds wealth and that's what's going to protect you for the future and for your retirement and all you have to do as a canadian is look at the look at a 15 year record of gold we have lived through some of the most turbulent economic times in the last 15 years and as a canadian 15 years ago it would have cost you 5 600 dollars to buy an ounce of gold and today it costs 1700 Gold has completely done what it's supposed to do, and yet even now, gold is at least half of what it should be, if not more undervalued when you look at how much money is being created. And at the end of the day, it's about rarity. How rare is currency that's being created at a, at a fantastical pace, and how rare is gold when it can only be you can only add to the, to the supply side of gold by about 2% a year? So you kind of start to say, okay, well, the stock market... You, you to believe in that you have to suspend your disbelief in order to have a retirement fund well that's not good enough this is about creating real wealth adding brick by brick real physical bullion to your portfolio that in in through good times and bad is still worth what it is against the currencies how do i how do i get it physical through you guys what's the easiest way to well, basically, you just give us a call, go to the website, and get in contact with us at your most convenient opportunity. Whether you want to buy bars in the form of silver, gold, platinum, palladium, or if you'd like to add some coins to that, either is a good choice. There'll be certainly lots of feedback that our brokers can give you at the firm pertaining to the different types of metal that you can own and store or take home with you. And of course, it all starts by just getting educated. So without that education, you're really never going to see what the wonderful benefits of ownership can be. Ultimately, this is about the long term. What we see coming down the pipe in the form of uncertainty around the world globally and with respect to the stock markets and the Ponzi schemes that we see that have interacted and intertwined with people's wealth around the world, those are tearing down borders and making it easier and easier for the banking systems to pull one over on us and the governments to pull one over on us and ultimately having some form of safety in the form of insurance that's gold, silver, maybe other collectibles to go with that is a very smart thing. And on that note, knowing that we're, uh, as we're listening to the show, we'll know what what has uh, occurred in terms of the, the Brexit and the referendum. But that also goes to this point that right now what we've seen with this, with uh, the Brexit and, and all of the, the articles that have been written about it is what I'm noticing is central banks, status quo, bureaucrats, they want to remain. They want to maintain this, this idea that the euro concept as we we touched upon with the Mark Mead Bailey interview this this fabric of these countries that are very very different that this euro can continue this is this brexit conversation to me is about ta- is about a country taking on its own sovereignty and saying no we can be we can we can create our own future it's up to us and i think that whether or not it passes it does show that there's two clashes of forces between those that want to create their own destiny and the the bureaucrats and the central bankers that want to maintain their hegemony over over the public. And we have a saying at Guildhall, which is become your own central bank by owning gold. 
It's something that Jerry says all the time, and it's so true. Owning gold is a vote against a currency that's being created out of thin air. Owning gold says, I believe in the real world, and I believe in things that are true. And gold having a history of thousands of years of being a true currency, that's why it trades on the foreign exchange side of things, is that gold is a true currency, that you can't print it out of nowhere. You can, you can, you can rehypothecate it. That's what's happening right now. You can rehypothecate hundreds or 200s or 300 to one. But at the end of the day, who owns it? And that's why I think it's so important what Mark said right at the end of the interview, which is it doesn't matter what price you paid. You'll be glad you own it. And I can tell you as someone who's bought at higher prices, I bought it $1,900 an ounce. I make no bones about it. And I have no problem with it. I also happen to buy it at 800 and 500. I bought all the way around. But I know I d- it doesn't bother me that I bought it at higher prices. What 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 I want to do is keep adding to my portfolio because in my mind, that's real wealth. That's real security. That's the last thing you'd sell. And over the last 10 years, against the currency, gold continues to rise. And silver has just even more opportunity behind that. one 877 silver online to guildhallwealth.com. Check out the e-store while you're there as well, Darren. I promised an article from CNBC. It was an uh, interview done on Power Lunch. Uh, the article was posted to CNBC's website. It's called Why Gold Could Benefit Regardless of Brexit Vote Outcome and essentially really summarizes the way we feel about this. If Britain decides to stay, then, of course, gold may go higher because there could be uncertainty in the U.S. dollar, the status quo, so to speak, and, of course, it's long-term prospects, and we know as goes the U.S. dollar, so does gold. And if they decide to leave, well, you're going to get a lot of economic uncertainty regionally. And of course, Britain, along with its other regional countries, are all big gold buyers. So we know that in the past, they've ramped up their hoardings, ramped up their holdings of gold. And that's something we expect to do again. So really, there's both sides to that coin. And of course, both sides appear to be heads. Uh, So I like that. But I want to do something quickly now. It's from Michael Snyder via the Economic Collapse blog, and it was posted on Zero Hedge. It's called 15 Facts About the Imploding U.S. Economy That the Mainstream Media Doesn't Want You to See. So against, uh, if you're a Jimmy Fallon watcher, late night TV, I mentioned it in the interview with Mark. He had Obama on last week, and Obama, of course, spewed a whole bunch of great economic things that have happened during his two tenures, his eight years as President of the United States, and of course, all of those things were good. Nothing was mentioned on the negative side, of course not, but the first thing I want to point out here is this article says, industrial production has now declined for nine months in a row, and then it says, we have never seen this happen outside a recession in all of U.S. history. So in all of U.S. history... When the mainstream media is telling you that the economy is growing, behind the scenes, industrial production is now declining. Nine months in a row, declining. The second fact, U.S. commercial bankruptcies have risen on a year-over-year basis for seven months in a row and are now up 51% since September. 51% since September. Nothing screams to me more so than watching those types of bankruptcies occur. Commercial bankruptcies are big companies. These might not be your mom and pop businesses that might not make a difference only to their community. These are very large firms that are going bankrupt that have 20, 40, 50, 500, 1,000 employees. And now we're seeing that it's up 51% since September, meaning it's getting more difficult to conduct business because less people are participating in the buying of the product or the service that you have. In addition to that, and on the heels of that, the delinquency rate on commercial industrial loans has been rising since January 2015, and total business sales in the United States have been steadily dropping since the middle of 2014. And I didn't say 2015. Total business sales in the United States have been dropping steadily for two years now, and we just found out that they dropped again this past month. You're not going to get a better time, as far as gold and silver are concerned, to look at good pricing, good value, and a long-term opportunity in front of you that could last not weeks, not months, but multiple years, which could give your family, your wealth, a huge turbo boost. 
1-877-8 silver the number to start investing anytime the website is guildhallwealth.com get the precious uh, precious metal advisor make sure you click on the e-store as well we'll get into some diamonds the other half of the business here on the real money show talk radio am 640 one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhalldiamonds.com for the purpose of this uh particular segment darren you've got uh well you penned this something very cool we're going to get to here in just a minute yeah well, we've talked about lists and reasons why to own gold and silver, reasons why to own these other assets. I brought it, one with me today. Is beautiful on the list? It is. Okay. You're going to love this. It's great. <laughs> 10 alternative reasons why colored diamonds are considered such strong and wise investments. Reason number one, the obvious, the long historical track record. Fancy colored diamonds are now globally recognized. We can argue. Yep. Auctions have been big enough. Christie's and Sotheby's, they get a very big following. So we've heard lots about that in the headlines. When you're hearing the mainstream media talk about gold and silver, they're now also from time to time talking about color diamonds. These things are happening and they're becoming more commonplace. They've nope. been collected and traded by royalty historically all the way up until about 40, 50 years ago when the mainstream started to get a hold of this concept. I'm going to I'm going to wait till I know I I think I know one of these uh points on the list so I'm going to wait for that one to come up to make a a couple comments but definitely well, definitely a track record is something that anyone who's looking at at holding a hard asset can look at and say okay if I buy this hard asset for con- considering the past I could do very well with it and I think that is definitely something that can rationalize the purchase and rationalize the acquisition um, but I think what you're going to come up with is is uh, a lot more intriguing. Second point of the 10 alternative reasons to own a colored diamond, portability and compactness. Diamonds are small, they weigh next to nothing, and they are really portable. So you can carry large amounts of wealth. They can be transported, concealed in emergency situations, as well as stored in very private locations. And this makes your entire portfolio very small in some cases, but very large in value. There's no doubt that a colored diamond is probably the most concentrated form of wealth that you could possibly own in this world, bar none. I find it I find it always humorous when I see these movies and they pull out a little bag of sparkly white diamonds and you, you think to yourself, even if those were all white and D quality, internally flawless, maybe that's a quarter million, but they're trying right. to per- pass it off as though it's a billion. I'm really, I'm really gunning for the day that they pull out a bag of pinks and you say, oh my God, that is huge. That is massive. That couldn't be worth, that is a lot of money that they own. <laughs> that's a good point. And, it's- and I'm not talking, and I'm not talking a big diamond. You know, that, that's, that's kind of a big myth, this idea that someone could have this massive, um, you know, going to date myself here with the, the jewel of the Nile type of thing with a, nice. a baseball size uh, diamond, not an emerald, but a diamond. You know, we're talking even a bag of small argyle pinks would be worth millions. And they are going to be, as is evidenced by the inventory we hold at Guild Hall. If you want to take just two seconds to go over the website and look, you'll be amazed. To think that you can take something so small and have so much value stored in such a small piece is utterly incredible, but it's the way of future investing. It's going to become so mainstream that it's going to make it near impossible for the average person who can now afford to own a yellow or pink diamond to own it long-term. So let's just talk about the third point, which is long-term growth. Even just a little bit of research on this topic proves that over even the last three decades, not to mention thousands of years, just three decades, the price appreciation of natural fancy colored diamonds has conquered the marketplace, beating almost all asset classes in total return for dollar invested. Auction results have proved unequivocally that there is strength in these colored diamonds in today's markets, not to mention that on the heels of those auctions, they have continually performed and outperformed and performed and outperformed, setting higher highs per carat for many colors and continuing to do so right to this very month. So this is what we would want to find in long-term growth opportunities. 
And this is something that the wealthy have been able to take advantage of in the past or or celebrities have been able to take advantage of in the past where even if someone look we always say that there's 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 a few outcomes when someone purchases a diamond. The the worst case scenario is they bought something that's not quite so rare and they overpaid for it. A a, a best worst case scenario is someone overpaid for something that is very high quality, in which case time erases that because that track record and that overall growth helps someone who owns a quality diamond to overcome if they happen to overpay or if they happen to pay retail. You know, you know, no offense to the retailers, but they do have some incredible diamonds. And if you bought one through uh, one of those very high luxury brands, chances are if you bought that 10 years ago, it's really worth something today. We've talked about um, uh, Jennifer Lopez owning a pink and then she got a blue. Um, you know, she had a pink with with Ben Affleck and then she got the blue with with uh, Mark Anthony. She obviously knows her stuff when it comes to colored diamonds because she said, okay, now that I know how much that pink has gone up, I want the blue. Speaking of which, today is the 20-year anniversary of Jennifer Lopez making her acting debut. I happen to like Jennifer Lopez. Apparently. So I share that with the audience. Wow. Okay. Anyways, fourth reason to own a colored diamond as an alternative asset class, multifunction milestone asset class. This is probably one of my favorite to talk about. They possess multiple functions as an asset. For example, one can purchase an investment stone, maybe a pink Mm -hmm. Argyle tender stone, set it in a ring, present it to his wife. The fact that she uses the diamond and derives pleasure from her jewel over time does not detract from the value whatsoever in any way. Alternatively, the same diamond could be locked in a safety deposit box and put away for a child's education could be a first home for your son or daughter, that great gift you want to sell down the road in order to cover the cost of that first home, the education that you might want to buy for your child long-term. The list of milestones that can be marked by the ownership of a diamond goes hand-in-hand with the approach of the buy-and-hold philosophy. One of my really good customers bought a one-carat fancy yellow, put it into a ring for his wife as a push present. And now she's got this beautiful, uh, fancy yellow uh, ring. You can go to Instagram. You can see it on Instagram or Facebook. You can see it on our Facebook page. But he also happens to own a couple other diamonds that he holds loose, which are really the investment. Because at the end of the day, for her, she's not going to want to sell that. that. That's hers. That's her, that's her new best friend. She'll have that forever. But the other diamonds will be something that they might look to sell in their lifetime for that retirement. I mean, thinking about that Mark Mead Bailey interview and are we really prepared for our retirement where, you know, putting 20, 30, 40, if someone has $213,000 in the bank account at age 50 or 55, they might want to consider buying a colored diamond for 30, 40,000 so that when they're 65 plus, they've got something to, to sell that's, that's worth a lot more than the cash that's been in the bank that whole time. It's a great point, and it's something that more and more people are tending to do. The fifth and sixth points are value retention and value as a whole. We want to say that in terms of total value retention, Guildhall has never to date had a penny of a buyer's principal investment lost in any diamond investment. That's since day one. Number two, contrary to what you would see if you were buying a white diamond or a diamond of lesser value, Fancy colored diamonds have no fixed price. Their market value is determined by prices paid when they're bought and sold through public auctions and only through reputable market dealers from which we can draw that data upon, but there is no open market for those. So value is found because of the rarity, which is to say that 0.01% of natural fancy of natural diamonds coming out of the ground are fancy colors. Their supply is extremely limited. Well, this is this is based as well on the idea that in the white diamond market, there's there's De Beers and there's a cartel controlling the the steady supply of diamonds, and therefore this idea of of creating an idea of rarity versus real rarity, mm-hmm. where it cannot be controlled because there's just not enough of them to control. You know, if you think about cartels in general, oil cartels, 
gold-manipulating cartels, um, diamond cartels. It's because there's so much of it that they have to come together to control that control that commodity. Whereas with natural fancy color diamonds, there's just simply not enough to control. And we see that actually when we just look at a fancy yellow compared to a white diamond, um, even a very good quality one carat white diamond, prices for white diamonds at that level, even though they're not rare, tend to be a little high. It's kind of, I, always, I always joke around. I find it a little bit like going to a, going to a restaurant and the, the least expensive wine on the list usually has the highest markup. <laughs> right. Well, it's a good point. And to that point, I want to add something that's not common and that's maybe not so common sense in terms of owning this type of alternative asset. It's durability and colored diamonds are extremely durable. In fact, the hardest element found on earth after having been created in unimaginable conditions deep beyond the surface of the earth billions of years ago, diamonds can withstand just about any environmental situation you can throw at it. Now, a person says, why is that important? Well, I can tell you, I have a client, in fact, we have many clients that unfortunately succumbed to the wildfires of Fort McMurray. I have one client in particular that I had been trying to get in contact with, finally got in contact with him, and I asked him how things were. Of course, that's a silly question to ask someone who just lost pretty much everything they own. And he said, I was heavily invested in real estate in Fort McMurray. I lost it all. I said, what about your diamonds? He said, I got them. No problems. How about that, right? He has an immense amount of wealth in the palm of his hands that he took with him, that he can take anywhere, that he'll now bring back to us for sale, that can restart and get him going again. You know, they are very, very, uh, very strong, but at the same time, if you look back at, at how diamonds were first cut, they were cleaved. If you think of like marble or even wood, yeah, there's a certain chopped. graining hmm. that you can cleave a diamond, which is to say that... They are very hard. You, the only thing that can scratch it is another diamond. However, don't take a hammer to your diamond because no. you, you will crush it. Smaller diamonds, especially. Um, you will crush it because it, they, can, they can be broken in that, in that way. And also at a certain heat level, they will just dis- disintegrate. But given general usage, they are probably... This is why you put diamonds into jewelry because it's the most wearable wealth you can have because you're not going to break it in day-to-day use like you could other gems like emeralds or sapphires. one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com or guildhalldiamonds.com to check out the collection. That's it for another week. Got to thank Mark Mead Bailey once again for joining the show and spreading the, uh, the knowledge that he has. We'll be back again next week here on The Real Money Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 911.